Big Fluff. You ever seen one of these? How many men I have? Got out the first one I killed. The plane was better. So now you're a dragon killer. It's not even original. Who's in the wheat fields just south of Coffeeville, Kansas? It's late November. It's a month of mist. And we were caught in the open. The sun was setting behind us. There's nowhere to run. Twice it came in on us, and twice it missed the heart of us. And that's when I had an epiphany. You see, they have great vision in the day. They have even better vision at night. But in the failing light, they can't focus. Magic out. Everybody, I'm Joel Murphy and I'm Andy McIntyre and this is the magic hour when we watch maligned movies and we find their silver lining <laughs> uh, It's silver linings playback. You didn't listen to the wrong podcast, uh, yeah. but we still do listen to maligned movies and find their silver linings mm-hmm. Yeah, and every hour that Joel and I are together is the magic hour. <laughs> oh, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad the magic is still alive We've been doing this almost a year and I know yeah so, but, uh, anyways, uh, so we're, uh, finishing up, uh, McConaughey rom-com mm-hmm. month with perhaps his most famous romantic comedy, uh, 2002's yeah. Reign of Fire. Yeah. Will they or won't they, right? I mean. The whole time. Yeah. The whole I, time. It's just, I, I think, you know, to, to clear it up, I, I'm pretty sure one of the big reasons this movie was maligned is that he never kisses Christian Bale and they both want to so bad. Oh, I mean, you want to talk about palpable tension that you can cut with a knife every time they're on screen together. Yeah, including when they're fighting, you're like, okay, yeah. I mean, this is the only way you guys can be uh, physically you know, intimate with each other. But yeah, we, we get it. Like, they talk about Mr. and Mrs. Smith having like the sexiest fight scene in a movie. I don't think the person that said that has seen Reign of Fire. No. I mean, just... Whew, just uh, cool me down a little bit. I forgot what was happening. I didn't even remember there were dragons after that scene. Yeah. It was like literally the whole world melted away in that moment. And it was it was, it was, was just Quinn Abercrombie and Denton Van Zandt <laughs> and no one else. Yeah. And, and then, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it's ultimately a tragedy in that they're never able to acknowledge their feelings. And then... In the end, uh, you know, McConaughey actually sacrifices himself so he doesn't have to say I love you. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, all bits aside, if there was ever a movie that was screaming for Stan Lee-esque names, it's this one. Oh, yeah. And they and they get uh, Quinn Abercrombie and Denton Van Zandt. Yeah, I don't... Their names feel like a bit. Like, it... it <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Feels like names that Will Ferrell and John C. Riley would make up for each other in a buddy comedy. It's like, I'm Quinn Abercrombie, <laughs> and I'm Denton Van Zandt, and this yeah. is Prestige Worldwide. Why, 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 why? No, their names are ridiculous. Um, Like the rest of this movie. So it's actually might be fitting. I don't know. 
Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we just it was Andy's idea and I loved it that it would just be really funny to end McConaughey rom-com month by doing this. And so that that's what we're doing. Yeah. Cause it, there is palpable sexual tension between the leads and it is maligned and it stars Matthew McConaughey. So I feel like it ticks all the boxes. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I would say that there's better romantic chemistry between uh, Christian Bale and, uh, Matthew McConaughey than there was between Matthew McConaughey and Sarah Jessica Parker. I'll just throw that out there. And oh, yeah. Not even sure. doing a bit. Yeah. No. And, uh, you know, it's nice <laughs> after the last two weeks to have a movie where no one is doing a long con on McConaughey. <laughs> right. Yeah. No one is is just gaslighting him to force him into a, a certain situation that they deem is the right one for him. Yeah. So. Um. So, yeah, so we're talking about Reign of Fire, and um, to give a synopsis of this movie, I'm going to actually shout out my college roommate, uh, Noam, and uh, he described this movie to me. He had seen it. I hadn't, and actually, this, I think this was probably, I think this was the first time I had seen it start to finish when we watched it uh, for this week, but he said, uh, he can, they said the movie can be summed up in three, sec- in three sentences. You can kill dragons. You can't kill dragons. You can kill dragons. I mean, that's, yeah. That's (laughs) That's pretty much it. That is spot on. (laughs) Yeah, so this is a movie. uh, Well, first of all, let's talk about the fact that did make me laugh out loud. And if maybe some of you, if you didn't watch this movie in anticipation of this week's episode, I loved it because it it came out in 2002, right? So Yeah. uh, Oh, this is great, yeah. So it's 2002, and the opening is set in 2002. And then they do a time jump to 2020. And that's yeah, they do. <laughs> it is a smoldering wasteland overrun with dragons, which I think obviously raises the question, is that better or worse than actual 2020? Yeah, I think that that um, <laughs> that bears mention. Um, the other thing I want to get out of the way, and I know that if you watch this movie, uh, it definitely should have bugged you. It definitely bugged me. Uh, you know, they always talk about how they're hunting dragons and trying to kill dragons, but there are no dragons in these, this movie. They're all technically wyverns because they have two legs and two wings instead of four legs and two wings. And, uh, you know, just that lack of attention to detail, you know, just uh, how dare you? And it's surprising because in a movie that is otherwise a stickler for the details. <laughs> um. I don't know if this counts as maligning the movie, although uh, I, I, I think it will malign IMDb. Oh. Uh, so I really like IMDb as a website. We definitely, I definitely use it every week when we watch oh, the show. 100%. Um, yes. Get some background information, learn a little bit more about the movie. It, um, you know, the name's on the tin, the Internet Movie Database. It's like literally everything. Um, so the way this maligns the movie is that there's, uh, you know, there's this post-apocalyptic wasteland. The dragons have basically taken over. Humans are near extinct. Um, and at one point, uh, Christian Bale and Gerard Butler, to entertain the kids, <laughs> uh, they uh, reenact a scene from Empire Strikes Back. Yep. One, it's usually bad form in your movie to remind audiences of a better movie. Yes. Um. But two, in the IMDb trivia, one of the entries says the scene, the play that Gerard Butler and Christian Bale put on is a scene from Empire Strikes Back. 
they, that's an IMDb trivia fact for this movie. And it's <laughs> <laughs> like, really? <laughs> it's not like they did some obs- like a scene from Mystic Pizza or something like that. That's kind of obscure. Um, it's yeah, I don't like. Okay, I guess that's a trivia fact. All right. Well, can I talk more about this scene since you brought it up? Oh, absolutely. I because I have a lot of thoughts on this scene, but <laughs> I think what stuck with me that I ended up thinking about uh, after watching it is so again to as we said, I think he's twelve. I'm trying to remember exactly how old Christian Bale is at the beginning of the movie, but I, ten he's, or twelve. He's early teens, ten yeah, to twelve. Yeah. yeah, tweens, I guess. So. The because so they do the scene and then uh, he he takes credit for having written this play because the kid they're, he's, they're doing it for kids and the kids love it and uh, and they're doing the I am your father scene and then one of the kids says something about uh do the Lion King so clearly like he's also done the Lion King but it's very funny to me to imagine. And granted, as someone who watched the Star Wars movies a lot, I'm just trying to imagine if I saw the Star Wars movies a bunch of times as a kid, and then when I was 12, an apocalyptic event happened, and then 18 years later, I was trying to just recreate Star Wars. I'm just curious how much detail you would actually build. Like, how do you think they did doing Empire Strikes Back? Yeah, like how how was the rest of it? Like, did they have a was the Yoda impression dead on? Was it? Well, how much do they remember too? Like, did they they cut parts? Like, did they you know like did they right. do all the parts? Because it's also only him and Gerard Butler, as far as I can tell. So, like, is one of them playing Leia? Like, yeah, are they doing all the voices with? Like, did they do the escape from the the giant space worm and Boba Fett and? Yeah, I just want to know how far they went with this, you know. I would watch that movie. Yeah, if it was... I would watch a movie that was about a post-apocalyptic society that didn't have movies anymore. And it was almost like that movie Yesterday, where yeah. it was just people trying to do as much of a movie as they can remember. And then people being like, oh my god, you're a genius. Yeah, I would also just watch a two-man stage production of Empire Strikes Back starring Christian Bale and Gerard Butler. Oh, one hundred percent. I would, I would watch that play. Christian Bale would take it so seriously, so seriously. Which also, maybe that's a good point that we could pivot to. Of like, I, uh, you know what? And maybe I'm, I'm tipping my hand towards the silver lining. But just this whole time, the idea of Christian Bale and Matthew McConaughey doing a movie together is so funny to me, because <laughs> Christian Bale is sort of famously. He's a method actor, like he'll lose or gain a hundred pounds. Like he he showed up too bulky when he played uh Batman the first time because they told him to bulk up and then he did the machinist like either right before or right after that, so he immediately like lost a ton. Like, dude is hardcore, like I am all in on an actor, I will become the role. Like he he's not quite Daniel Day Lewis, but he's definitely got those instincts. He's in that camp. And then you have McConaughey. Who's Matthew McConaughey? I can't ever, I can't even pretend to imagine McConaughey preparing for a role or ever like doing anything to get into character. Like, dude is a military dragon hunter who shows up in a tank. And if he said the line, you know, it'd be a lot cooler if you did, I wouldn't have blinked an eye, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll 
add to and simultaneously push back on that a little bit. <laughs> um, one, uh, apparently McConaughey insisted that people refer to him by his character name throughout the movie. Okay, but uh, that feels a, like a, a weird bit. meta thing or that, a weird method thing. That one feels like a bit and two feels like he might have been messing with Christian Bale. <laughs> That's probably true. Uh, the other thing is that Christian Bale, because, you know, he read the script and he's like, oh, well, it's a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Food is scarce. So he like trimmed way down. And then he saw how freaking yoked McConaughey looked. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I probably should bulk up. To, so when we have our fight, it looks at least a little bit believable. See? Yeah, that's my guy. Um, Yeah, it. Uh, yeah, there's a good chance that McConaughey was just doing a bit to mess with people. I, I believe mm. that. Um. Yeah, but I guess uh, to seriously talk about why this movie, I think, was maligned. Um, the dragons never felt like a threat. Yeah. Well, also, okay, so can I broaden this out? Um, yes. Where I want to start is, I think this is a bad pitch, <laughs> like, of just conceptually, and I'll tell you why, like, I will expand on that, of, so... The the clearest like logline is, you know, dragons emerge in present day, right? right. So which is cool. I, I'm into that. Like that that's For sure. we know, but like what is interesting about that is the idea of how would our modern society deal with dragons and they hand wave past that part. They skip right. to me the movie, like, which is, so we see Christian Bale as a kid and the first dragon escapes. And then it's like dumb, like over expository voiceover explaining all the fun stuff that I wanted to see. And then it's like, now everything's a smoldering wasteland and we really only see dragons in passing, which I'm sure all of this saved them a ton of money budget wise, but it's just... Yeah, everything fun about the concept, people battling dragons with tanks and like in and skyscrapers. Jets and, and yeah. yeah. All like of if, that. Yeah. They just don't. If this movie was part two. Yes. Like this story might be a good part two. Yeah. And, you know, and then part three, they actually defeat the dragons or whatever. Yeah. So, but it just like that, that really did bug me that like. It could have been a fun concept and nothing about it was fun. Because like you said, the dragons, there's not really enough of them. We don't really under... They're also just not really characters, which can... Yeah, that, that was the biggest thing with me is that they, like... You can give personality to a creature that is literally just a creature that has no lines. Jaws, Jurassic Park, tons right. of movies. Uh, these dragons have... And dragons are one of the like most full of personality characters from myth legend and folklore. Oh and yeah. These dragons have no personality whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, there are versions of dragons that talk like that, you know, you know, there are way more like Lord of the Rings, you know, like you can do stuff with dragons that like kind of almost makes them human, but terrifying, you know, right. Shrek. <laughs> Yeah. You know, the two greats, uh, Lord of the Rings and Shrek. They both did The two it. greats example of, of myth, legend, and folklore. Yeah, 100%. Uh, but yeah, so like that bugged me from the start is that you you rob us of everything fun about this idea. And it it's 90% either people underground or people in a place that is just a pile of dirt that used to be a city. Yeah, I feel like 
they got too much of the downtime scenes from Mad Max in my dragon movie. Yeah. Which some of that could have been fun, but yeah, there was too much of that. And then everything interesting, you know, we played the clip in the beginning. Like I said, there's the one it's like everything that I would have seen instead of showing it. It's just like, well, let me tell you a really long story about a dragon that I fought this one time and it showed up and this is what happened when the dragon was there. And it's like, show me that. That sounds cool. Well, you know, I mean, they're, taking the number one rule of uh of screenwriting tell don't show right exactly it's definitely what you want is you want uh bad imitations of star wars and then people telling you about the like are you kidding me if i could have seen the first time mcconaughey killed the dragon and stole its tooth i want to see that you know a hundred percent yeah and the um i mean this could get to us a little like the dragons looked pretty good yeah, no, yeah. The all CGI, things considered. Yeah, I feel like the all the money went to rendering the dragons, which is probably why we didn't get cities and probably why we didn't get fighter jets or anything fun. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was a big problem. I also, look, I'm, you know, there's a lot of other structural problems inherent in this idea. One, maybe this is just me. It seemed implied, at least based on what I understood, that like Christian Bale said, the dragons existed at the same time as the dinosaurs. They ate all the dinosaurs and then they went to sleep and they didn't wake up until 2002, which means that they there. So in this world, there weren't dragons in like medieval times. It seems implied in what he said. Yeah. When you think that, like, I think that they were maybe onto something because I, I see the logic of, that dragons are almost like the immune system for the world. And you know, that when populations are getting out of control or causing a threat, they get rid of it. Like, I think that's what they were going for. I don't think they did that effectively. Well, the problem is they, if you want to do that, you, I guess you could do that, but then it also is made clear that people in like the middle ages were aware of the idea of dragons, which doesn't make any, why did they know what dragons were? Cause it was like, they became a thing of like legend. And it's like, how, well, because clearly this is a universe where the Flintstones was a documentary and people okay. lived side by side with the dinosaurs. You know what? Then question answered. Okay, perfect. There uh, it is. So um, well, then let's talk about the other thing, which is one, I think they way overswung with the number of dragons that exist across the globe, you know, like, which is like, I think 300, did they say? You know, there are hundreds of dragons. But then the dumb conceit of this movie is... Only one of them is male and none of the babies are ever born. They're all, all the babies are women for some reason that's not explained. That isn't like Jurassic Park where they explained that they made them all women on purpose or anything. It's just, there's one male and if we kill him, then they'll eventually die out. They'll eventually die out, which also doesn't make sense because they don't seem to die. <laughs> right. And they don't. And they didn't build up the male dragon as any big threat. They literally, he literally only shows up like in the final fight. Yeah. So like just all around the, the nuts and bolts of this story are just the wrong choices. I feel like you could have just made it that it was one dragon, like, and just sell the idea that one dragon is this powerful or five dragons or five and, and it's the last one or you know whatever like or that maybe they find they like haven't seen any eggs they haven't seen new dragons maybe they find eggs and that's the inciting event that, oh my god we have to act uh yeah maybe it's a race to destroy the eggs 
you know, but, but it's like, yeah, the idea that the dragons were so powerful that they've basically destroyed civilization. But if we kill one, everything will be fine. Yeah, it's um, because even like in a similar type movie, like Independence Day, where they figure out how to take out the ship and then they kind of hand wave over taking out all the other ships like this is a much bigger hand wave. <laughs> Well, this is a classic. I mean, so many movies like to do that because it's it's a clean narrative if you can sell the audience on it. Of, I mean, the Avengers did this. Like, of we just destroy the one thing and then everyone else. Like, they're a hive mind. You know, they love right. like hive mind is a really great screenwriter tool to just save yourself from <laughs> having to show how everybody is defeated. You can have it's a really clean, big clean, arm. Yeah, yeah. The cleanup crew killing all the random Chitari stragglers. Yeah, you just make the idea of, oh, we just kill the one and then it's over, you know, which it plays really big cinematically for sure. But, you know, it's 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 definitely a cheat. Oh, it's for sure. A hundred percent. And apparently in this world, there's like one woman, one human woman, Isabella Skorupko. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't understand why even like all of the like every yeah, I don't I don't know what's going on with yeah, the whatever. Yeah, it's You want to talk about a movie colossally failing the Bechtel test. <laughs> they didn't even have two women to have a conversation, let alone talk about something that's not a man or romance. Here's a question though, if she had talked to one of the lady dragons, would that have counted? As long as it wasn't about a male dragon or Matthew McConaughey, yes. Well, I don't think any of us could pass that test of like no, not I, talking about McConaughey. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, this movie, like, God, there's such a good idea with this premise. Oh, such yeah. a good idea. Well, and you can see it like it's almost a shame because you know we've certainly talked about them before in this movie, but like kaiju movies are really fun. So like, you know, you you watch the trailer for you know. Kong versus Godzilla or Godzilla versus Kong, whichever order their names are in, in that. But uh, you can see all of that of like how fun it is to watch them like these two kaiju like fight in a city and, and you know, like all those monster movies. Like the idea of how would we fare against a dragon with our technology is such a cool idea. But yeah, it's just nope, nothing. No, they don't they pick all the wrong things to focus on. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's it. So, um, also, sorry, can I just have one more? I don't know if we're about to pivot, but no, I think I think we can keep maligning this movie. I just, I'm very sympathetic towards Christian Bale. What happened to his character is horrific, and nobody should have to experience that. But it is sort of odd that it's like, you know, I had this trauma happen to me when I was 12, and it's like, yeah, but then everybody died, <laughs> like, right. Like, the, the, everything that's happened since you were 12 is is traumatic and like has just like everyone has experienced this shared trauma so the yeah, everybody idea, lost somebody to a dragon everybody lost a lot of people to a dragon in this movie people lose people to dragons like yeah, yeah the dragons it, pick off people on the regular yeah it's pretty much a world where if you if someone leaves your eye line, there's a good, probably more than 50% chance that you never see that person again. And you just never know why. And that's not even getting into the fact that their weakness is such a cop out. I don't, I, it's the silliest thing, which is why I think we picked it for the, <laughs> the opening clip of like, 
because I was watching, I'd never seen this movie before, and you watch it, and it's like, well, they can see really well during the day, but. And I thought he was going to be like, but they can't at night or something. Or they can see at night, but they can't at day. It's like, they can see even better at night. But there's one hour where they can't. What? But but dusk. Wait, what is this technicality? Like, that doesn't even make... That doesn't make any biological sense. And an alpha-dominant species like the dragons are proving themselves to be would never be out in the dusk if they could possibly help it. Right. Also, why not make it, you know, if you want it, they lived underground, they lived in caves. So make it, they can see at night, but they can't see during the day. Because they have eyes, a harder time seeing during the day. Yeah, their eyes are made to see and they're like bats. They only hunt at night and they sleep during the day. So if we attack them when they're asleep during the day, that we have an advantage. Do something like that. Like, what? why make it such a specific, weird, niche thing that makes no sense? Right, because... uh it's also kind of hard to see at dusk as a human. Yeah. Or just make it something like, but when it rains, <laughs> you know, that, you know. Yeah. Like they could have picked something that was either a little more plausible or a little more fleshed out. Yeah. So that was definitely a thing. I also, uh, if we're on the verge of pivoting, I have such mixed feelings because part of me kind of loves it and think it's exactly how he should have died but then the other part of me thinks that it's really dumb mcconaughey's death is a choice oh a huge choice yeah I, I feel like that was pitched on the day and mcconaughey's <laughs> just like what if i just uh jump off this here uh this here platform and uh with an axe and the dragon just kind of comes at me if we can do that that'd be uh <laughs> That'd be all right. Because it simultaneously makes no sense considering how his character is built up as like, I'm the really smart, cautious dragon hunter who's going to yell at everybody for celebrating because men died. And then to, but also because it's played by Matthew McConaughey, it is weirdly believable that he would just <laughs> jump at a dragon and die that way. And it wasn't even to give Christian Bale a strategic advantage nope. to get the dragon. It was just... No, it didn't feel like he was sacrificing himself. It just felt dumb. It, it was it was a, a full-on Leroy Jenkins moment. Just... <laughs> 100%. Leroy! Dragon! Man, that and just going great. after him. That would have been great. And then he could have claimed that he invented that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's perfect. Um... I think I mean I think I think we hit the the big the big picture of why this movie is maligned and just that it was a poorly executed good idea as I feel and I'm sure that the budget played a factor and I'm sure that um you know other various things you know fighting dragons in a post apocalyptic hellscape is also a good pitch but it ignores a lot of the fun stuff Yeah like you said this would have been a good sequel maybe Uh so I, mean, I think the first, even though we already talked about the sexual chemistry between Christian Bale <laughs> and Matthew McConaughey as the big silver lining in this movie, uh, McConaughey's workout routine, man, he got yoked for this movie. Also, I will just say, just to, to pull it back even further, Matthew McConaughey is just a silver lining in this movie because I'll admit, and I, I like Christian Bale, I like Gerard Butler, uh, but the movie kind of felt a little bit like a slog until he showed up. When McConaughey showed up in a tank, popped the hatch open, 
was shirtless, had a dragon tooth around his neck. Gerard Butler had a like, it's an easy line, but it did make me laugh of like, ugh, Americans, like just <laughs> yeah. every choice of intro. Because I had that too of watching it where McConaughey's he's number one, baby. Like he's he's the first credited actor in this. He does not show up until 30 minutes in. Right. But, but it's it's they make up for it and how great it is. When he yeah does he show up. he shows up he is a force of nature when he shows up and apparently his only diet is cheap cigars yes no but he never smokes one he's just eating them no the character's great I I honestly sincerely love his character I love the way he played it I think there is a really good you know obviously we're having some fun with it but like there's a really good contrast between him and Christian Bale like we because we spend thirty minutes understanding Christian Bale it's this idea of just survival. And just we have to hide underground. We we teach these children this like, you know, what to do in case of like from the day they're born, it's drilled into their head how to handle dragons, how to survive, how to hide. You know, we only travel when it's safe. And just to have this guy show up, that's like, nah, man, like I'm here to kill dragons. Like, it's great. It's a great choice. Yeah, it's um, and I think that you needed to spend that much time with Christian Bale's character for that to make sense, like you couldn't do the reverse. Like this movie couldn't have been from Matthew McConaughey's perspective no. and him show up like 30 minutes of showing how he gets to Christian Bale's castle. And then he meets Christian Bale. It just would not work at all that way. So that is one thing the movie definitely did well. Yes. And McConaughey, man, does he do grizzled? Well, no, he really did. Like I said, I love this character and you know, just a lot of strong choices made like his, you know, again, he shows up in a tank. Yeah, it just he you never doubt his motivation. You never doubt that he's telling the truth. <laughs> like he's just he is that like quintessential badass. It it also is kind of funny, by the way, that the, that whole opening scene is really revolved around the fact that they roll up to the castle and Christian Bale goes out to talk to them and he's making the decision whether to let them in or not. And I'm like, they have so much artillery that I'm pretty sure they could get in whether you wanted right. them to or not. It's nice that you think you have a say in this. Right. It's yeah. And, and even if it, they could have like hinted that he's like deciding, like, is it worth the risk to try to fight these guys or do we just let him in? Like maybe if they, if they pushed that, that was the choice he was making instead of like, do we let them in or do we turn them away with our, uh, standard 12 gauge shotguns in their tank? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So, but McConaughey, uh, for all of those reasons is definitely a silver lining. That's four for four for McConaughey, by the way, being a silver lining, uh, this month. I'd and I don't think see... we intended that going in, but no, I'd hate to see the movie. He's not a silver lining in. It's either great or unwatchably bad. Yeah. Or it's that, um, that Lincoln commercial. <laughs> or it's that Lincoln. Because the silver lining there is the car. I mean, let's be honest. That You want to talk luxury, folks. Uh, Lincoln's, you know, just uh, the top of the line. If you want to ride in comfort, you want to ride in style, ride in the Lincoln. Yeah. And uh, that ad read and many others could be featured on the show weekly, Lincoln. So think just about it. Just nudge, hint, hint. Yeah. Just that was a freebie, but the next one cost you. So uh, holler at your boys, you know, uh, give us a ring. It is. Look, I mean, we've, we're getting more and more transparent about it the longer the show goes on. We're only doing this in the hopes that there's a big payday 
somewhere on the other side. (laughs) This is a, a get rich quick scheme that, uh, is very thinly veiled at this point. Look, and we don't, don't make us start like, you know, a pyramid scheme or something. I don't want to start like selling you guys. Well, you, so here's the deal. You, you all subscribe to our podcast and then you start your own podcast. And then if you get new people to sign up to podcast, they have to listen to your podcast and our podcast. Also, sorry. I said that like, cause we shouldn't do that, but also is that a good idea? Is <laughs> that might be a good idea. I don't even know if it's a good idea, but is that, is that what podcasts are? I actually think that might be what podcast networks are. That's 100% what podcast networks are. <laughs> so in a way we've already done it. So, so just, uh, write us a check. Yeah. Send us that fat podcast money. Um, Except <laughs> the only winners are the people who sell the recording equipment. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Zoom H4N is, uh, you know, they're they're making money. Um, Which we've always said. Software. We've always said Zoom is the Lincoln of recorders. So yeah, if you want to record your music <laughs> and record it in style, record with a Zoom. Yeah, your audio will be all right, all right, all right. And uh, if you don't have a Zoom, you'd be much cooler if you did. <laughs> You keep talking at different volumes. Their levels stay the same. (laughs) (laughs) If you try to make a podcast without a Zoom recorder, that's just a failure to launch. Oh, man. That was good. (laughs) How to lose subscribers. Nah, I'm not doing this. (laughs) Okay. So McConaughey is the silver lining. I mean, Christian Bale was there. I don't want to leave him out. The the yeah, he real, was. I mean, he was. Yeah, I don't think he stood out as great, but he gave the, like always. I think he's pretty consistent at giving the right performance for the role that he's in and and doing a good job with it. Um, I like that he got to do his own accent. You know, yeah, that was nice. I feel like I never get to see. He's always an American and everything. So that was that was fun. Honestly, we don't even know for sure if that is his own accent. He's That's from true. Wales. He could have a very thick Welsh accent in real life. That's true, but he got to do a British accent of some right, kind. Right, which he, he doesn't always get to do. Yeah, so that was fun. Uh, I like, like you said before, the dragons I do think looked good. I, I would have liked more of them, but, but the dragons, in a dragon movie, the dragons were well rendered, and it was 2002, so that wasn't a given. Right, that was, I mean... Yeah, there's plenty of movies since then that have had poor CGI for their creatures and things. Um, but yeah, the dragons I thought looked good. Um, and I mean, even though a lot of times they were, you know, those like they're shown at night, they were shown at various times, but um, they were more visible than like the Ang Lee Hulk movie CGI scenes to put it against something, you know, that relied heavily on CGI. And I thought they looked, I thought they looked good. Um, yeah, I mean, would have liked to have seen more of them. We already kind of said that, but. Or just get to know the dragons a little bit from a point of for a perspective. Yeah, I just think, yeah, they could have been better developed as characters. They didn't really feel like much. They were they were more of a MacGuffin threat than like an actual tangible threat. Right. Like you would think that like comparing dragons to sharks, if they were to have a fight, by the way, sci-fi, holler at your boys, dragons versus sharks. Um <laughs> Yeah, okay, because so the dragons can't use fire on sharks because f- sharks are in the ocean. Right, and the fire will go out, so that's that's the push. But like a shark can realistically take out one person at a time. 
Mm-hmm. 300 dragons took over the world. Yeah. Yet somehow, somehow Bruce the shark from Jaws seems way more menacing and threatening than any of the dragons in this movie. Yeah, no, body count for sure. Like, you know, I guess what we're saying is whoever wrote this movie isn't going to have to spend the latter years of his life uh, apologizing and trying to conserve uh, dragons because people are so terrified of them now. <laughs> right. So that's probably why there's so many dragons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if uh, you're, you're, you're like, what? Well, just imagine dragons. This is our last episode, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you for sticking with us for this journey through the uh, through the Silver Linings Playback podcast. Um, I just like look. I mean, we're we're really swinging for any endorsements. I don't know if they would. Do they sponsor? Uh, Do, hey, so you know what? Imagine Dragons. If you want to sponsor a podcast, also holler at your boys. Or we um, could do a spinoff where we <laughs> listen to maligned bands. And find their silver lining. <laughs> and find their silver linings, uh, it, which is all fun until we get to Nickelback month. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, we've we've already like shied away from a few movies because we weren't, we didn't want to have to subject ourselves to watching them. But yeah, this is a better podcast. Let's keep doing. You know what? You told me I'm back in. This is not the final episode of Silver Linings Playback. Whew. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was touch and go there for a second. Um, but you know you. We went. Man, the last time I was so unsure what was going to happen uh, between two men who were, you know, on the verge of, of fighting, it was watching Rain of Fire. <laughs> and we bring it back to the topic, folks. Boom. Always come back. Um, fight scene was good. You know, it was for a quick fight scene. It was good. Good yeah. fight. Believable. You know, I'm out. Look, I'm gonna say we did it. So we, we, yeah. we have a we have a little bit of time left. I think you know where this is uh, on the shorter end of our episodes. I think we should maybe take stock here. You know, let, let's see what did we learn about Matthew McConaughey. What what do we? How do we feel about Matthew McConaughey rom coms after watching a month of them? Yeah. Um. I don't know. I mean, I feel good about them um i i feel like matthew mcconaughey gets has gotten a bum rap four out of four weeks as far as being either horribly gaslit or uh almost thrown out of a plane by kevin hart um or eaten by a dragon like those are four down sides of things so you know justice for mcconaughey but um dude's got charisma man he really he's, does he's, like, he's got charisma he's got that yeah. in no, he he does. He's he sincerely. I enjoyed him in every single one of these movies, as we said. Also, I'm just gonna throw it out there. It was where we started, and and looking back, if you were trying to pick one of these to watch, uh, I would go for uh, Fool's Gold. I, I think it was the one I enjoyed the most out of the four of them. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm inclined to agree. Uh, might be Rain of Fire too. I think that's the the tougher debate. Um. I'm just going to say this. If Kate Hudson had been in Reign of Fire and her and McConaughey were going through a divorce while fighting dragons, that would have been the best movie that we saw. I, I can't argue with that point whatsoever. Um, <laughs> yeah, that that is, you know, not to say that Isabella Skrubko did a poor job in her very limited role in this movie. but I don't think she was, was asked to do anything. Do anything. <laughs> yeah, I think she did she, everything that the script told her to do. She was like... Her script, I think her lines probably just said, be a girl. 
and that's yeah. like that was basically it um but yeah i think uh i, I could watch that movie where it's uh Matthew McConaughey and Kate Hudson are dragon slayers and they're going through a divorce, but they got to slay one more dragon. And then they find out that uh, the real dragon they slayed was uh, marital strife. <laughs> yeah. You know, he, he completely destroyed my credit and then, well, I mean, civilization fell. Uh... <laughs> so that it didn't even matter that he destroyed my credit. So we got to yeah. keep that under, under. I also, I really just want a divorce, but there's no one to grant one anymore so technically just we're still married because it was still death to us part and i don't have any official way it's just her going around trying to figure out how to get divorced from him <laughs> legally and but her never coming to the conclusion like there's also no one to enforce the fact that we're married and that's that's what happens at the end is he goes you know that our marriage was dissolved when civilization was dissolved there must be some part of you that knew that and stays anyway and then they kiss and then yeah. and credits and uh, suddenly I see by Katie Tunstall plays. <laughs> and she never goes to D.C. to do serious dragon journalism. <laughs> this was all this was all one movie this month it was all it. one movie. Yeah, it could be. There's nothing that says all four of these characters couldn't have been the same guy. No, I feel bad for Amelia Elizalde that only got to see one part of this movie. <laughs> But yeah. she was only there for one portion of it. Okay, let's do it real quick. So failure to launch would be the first one. That's where we start. He's still living at home. He hasn't launched. It has to be the beginning, right? Because he has Oh, yeah, no, launch. 100%. Yeah, failure to launch so is, he, at, is part one. So that's part one. He's so mad at his family and at Sarah Jessica Parker for all of their betrayal and trying to murder him that he completely reinvents himself. And just uh, goes to live on a boat. No, no, no. It, See, it's got to be number two has to be how to lose a guy in 10 days. Oh, because Kate Hudson. Yeah, that, okay. that's how they meet. So he's assumed a new identity to hide from his family. He's now an ad exec. Um, he meets Kate Hudson. He he has a new family that he's pretending is his family, which is why he's claiming that he's from Long Island and not from <laughs> Texas, uh, because he doesn't want anyone to know about his real family. Uh, so they that's when they fall in love. They get married. Uh, she still has quit her job and he you know, realizes that this ad game where he can only get new work by seducing ladies isn't going to work. So they become treasure hunters. Uh, and once again, create a new identity because, you know, they, I'm sure they burn bridges. They have debts like that apartment he lived in New York couldn't have been cheap. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like when she says they destroyed their credit, like that's just, yeah, they had to just, they've created false identities. That's why they're hiding out, you know? Uh, so yeah. So then that happens. They, they rekindle everything and then uh, dragons uh, emerge yeah, and <laughs> from the center of the earth, I guess, and attack everyone at which point civilization falls. And we can only hope that Kate Hudson, his true love is still out there. Maybe she was inside that dragon and maybe they briefly maybe he reunited in the dragon's belly. And then we have a part five where it's just like uh, Jonah and the whale or Pinocchio where they're just living in the dragon. I mean, he had a sword or an ax or whatever. Maybe he cut them both out of there. Yeah. A la uh, Drax in Guardians 2. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I don't know what we did. But, but we did it. But we we McConaughey it for sure. Yeah. We this month has been all right, all right, all right. Silver Linings Playback is a production of HoboTrashCan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. 
hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. How many times has this happened to you? I just want to listen to a podcast. I can't choose from all these complicated structures and setups. You want to listen, not think. That's why there's Hobo Radio. You'll feel like the smartest guy in the room in a room by yourself. This doesn't take any intellectual thinking at all. Thanks, Hobo Radio. Hobo Radio, a weekly podcast on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network.